Good morning, church. My name is Logan. I help serve here on the kids' team. Uh, today I'm going to be reading from Luke 17, 11 through 19. This is the book that God wrote for us because he loves you and he loves me. It says, As Jesus continued towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. He entered as the, at the village. Ten men with leprosy stood in the distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And then as he, walked, as he went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of, them, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God. He fell to Jesus' Jesus's feet, thanking him for what he has done. This man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, I didn't heal ten men. Where are the other, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Jesus said to the man, stand up, go, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. All right. Thank you, Logan. That's going to be our passage for today. Uh, if you got your Bible, you can go to Luke uh, 17, verses 11 to 19. Before we get there, uh, I want to talk about this. So this uh, is on every seat or near every seat. Uh, it talks about some stuff that we are going to do around here uh, over a 14-month period to improve our ability to reach out there. Uh, so right now, we pay a lot of money to PG&E every month, just like most of you. Uh, and the difference between those who pay a lot and those who don't uh, is stuff that lives on your roof. Uh, and that's solar. So that's something that we want to put on this roof to catch all of the morning sun uh, and power this place so that we can use and invest more money that comes in to reach people who don't care about this place. Like, that's one of our goals, is we are the club that exists for everybody who doesn't care about our club. Like, we want the 67,000 people living around our corner of the city to meet Jesus. All right? There's 75,000 people in Congress District 5 or City Council District 5. That's us. About 8% of those know Jesus. So if you run the math, that leaves 67% or 67,000 people uh, who don't know Jesus. And that gets us excited. The more money that we have to invest in things like that, uh, the more things that we can do to bring people in. This week, we were able to have a sports camp. Lots of you helped out at that. Lots of you were part of that. Lots of you sent your kids uh, to get totally tired here so they would go home and collapse. And that was 100% the plan. And we want to be able to do more things like that because there's, again, 67,000 people who live around this place and don't care about this place. We also want to hire some staff to be able to put their gifts and their desires and their passions behind reaching the 67,000 people who live in this city, live around us, and don't care about us. And we also want to make some site improvements so that when those 67,000 people show up, uh, they don't look at the fence that's at a really nice 70-degree angle and think, man, if they really cared about their neighbors, they would, like, help the fence a little bit. Uh, if you really cared about the kids' building, you wouldn't be able to punch through the back of it because it's all rotted and stuff like that. Uh, and, yes, I'm going to try that as soon as we buy the new T111 to wrap the building. I'm going to punch through the old T111. You can come. Uh, just bring your screwdriver and your hammer because we're going to put the new stuff up. But all of this is going to take uh, finances on our part, which isn't a big deal because God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he can make stuff just show up. But what it's also going to draw out of you and me is a brand new sense of inviting Jesus, not just into our lives to run things, but also, this is the hard part, into our wallets. 
and the way that we spend money and the way that we invest the 100% that comes from him. And so if you look on your card, you got the triangle on the front. That's cute. Uh, but let's go to the other side where it says my next up pledge. Uh, to be given between December 1st, 2023 and January 31st, 2025. Uh, so that's three tax years. What is that going to do? That's going to do solar staff and site improvements uh, when there. Uh, and so the first step for us to get involved in this, and a lot of you have already turned in your cards, uh, but the first step for anyone who hasn't is to say, okay, I'm going to begin to tithe. Tithing isn't a spiritual thing. It's a mathematical thing. We're 100% that comes in, which is all from God. He says, I want 10% of that to go back to reaching people like you who just don't know Jesus yet and reaching them through the work of the local church. The way that God does that uh, is by his people giving away 10%. The Bible is all about God loving the world so much that he gave. And so as people who follow Jesus, as people who are Christians, little Christs, if that's you in here, then that means that we give the way that God gave to you and to me. And so that starts uh, with 10% going straight back to God through the work of the local church. And if you're in here and that's not part of the way that you handle your finances right now, if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm calling you to say yes to this, right? Because we're inviting Jesus into our hearts, but also into our wallets uh, to run our lives financially from the inside out. So for you to be part of this, your first thing is just saying, okay, and I'm going to commit to tithe. Like that's obedience. That's participation on our part. That's the first step. And once that's taken care of, and then we ask God, okay, where do you want me to live and to move in generosity? If 100% comes from you, if 10% goes back, and you've shown me that loving follows giving, like we give, our feelings follow our finances. If our feelings are here, if our heart is here, okay, God, what do you also want to do through my life in generosity? And so our goal is to raise $180,000 beyond tithing. So we're going to continue to give 10%, but then beyond that, God, what, what do you have for me? And the thing that I want all of us to do is to ask God, what is the right number for me? Because if we aim too high and think we want to look good on paper, God says, dude, your tires are about to be gone. Like you're going to walk out tomorrow afternoon and your car is going to be there. There's going to be some blocks. And I know this is coming, so I've got a good number for you. Or, you know, the other side, you're planning on buying new tires and you'd saved away that money, but God knows that somebody's going to come and give you a check to cover the tires. Like I'm just picking this out. The thing is, is that God knows our financial lives way better than we do. And so he's going to give us a number that's way better for us than what we could just decide. God has a way that he wants to teach us and stretch us and grow us and bless us and provide for us. And then there's also the question, okay, God, what's the miracle that I'm asking for? So for Anna and me, like we made our plan. Uh, we've got a number. We wrote that down on the top part. And I thought, you know what? I wonder if we could get it up to this. The first one was an unround number. Uh, so we made it up to a round number. Just say, okay, God, I'm trusting you for this X amount of dollars. Can you get us to a round number? And then you put that in there, add the two together, and then uh, write it down there. Um, next week, we're going to announce the total. So we, we started turning in cards two weeks ago. There's a small group of us who turned in our card before that. Uh, Destiny, you can put up the next slide. Uh, not counting the ones that were turned in on the 12th. Where we are right now uh, is at $159,200. That's what's come in. That's what's, or that's what's been committed. Nothing's come in. That's what's been committed by people who call this place home, who've said, okay, we're going to get involved in this. We're going to start tithing. Uh, and beyond that, this is the number. This is the figure that we're asking God to bring in through us. Uh, and then next Sunday, we're going to announce the total of what 
we have raised, what we have committed to raise as a church. And if you're thinking, okay, that, that's a great card, but I'm going to need some time to turn this in and all this stuff, uh, this is my number. This is the next one that's going to go up on the screen. Uh, text me a picture of your card by Saturday night. And we'll add that in the count so that next Sunday when we announce this is how much we've raised, uh, your number is going to be part of that. Uh, and we can celebrate that. We can give thanks in that. We can continue to drag out Thanksgiving uh, into December because it's going to be something that God is going to use to reach people who live around this place, who don't care about this place. Because that's always been God's heart for his people and for his church is that it's run by and fueled by and energized by men and women turning from sin and turning into a relationship with Jesus. We're going to give thanks for that next Sunday. It's going to be good, and I hope to see you there. So speaking of thanks, there's our segue into where we're going today. It's not going to be all about uh, what we're doing with sites. We're going to talk uh, about what we celebrated on Thursday or what was observed on Thursday or the reason why you didn't have to go to work or school or however it works out for you on Thursday, and that's Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. If you've heard me for the last five years around this time of year, like I love this time of year, and I love this holiday. Part of the reason why I love it is because on Halloween, there begins this journey in our society of people showing up at your house and expecting stuff, right? Halloween, there's a knock on the door. They don't even come in. Hopefully, they don't. They're not supposed to come in. Is, is they show up, and they've got their little bag, and all they want from you is just a couple pieces of candy. That's all. And then, I, and so you give them the candy, and then they leave, like, immediately. It's like a five-second visit. It's great. And then there's Thanksgiving, which is kind of the Goldilocks. It's the sweet spot between people who show up at your house and just expecting a little bit of candy to Christmas where people show up and they expect everything and they stay for a really long time, right? Thanksgiving is Goldilocks. It's right in the middle. They expect a little bit of food. They expect a meal. That's all you have to provide. No gifts. Like I heard it this week, the reason why little kids hate Thanksgiving is there's no gifts. The reason why grown-ups love Thanksgiving, there's no gifts. It's just food, football, sleeping off whatever you ate in the afternoon. Like, that's all it is. It's perfect. It's the best holiday. It's the balanced holiday. It's great. And that's part of the reason why I love it. And, and the part of the reason why I love it also isn't just that it's fun. It's also that it's good for us. It's one of those altruistic holidays that's actually good for you and for me. And so we're going to look at four reasons, three reasons why it's good for us just as people. And then we're going to dig deep into why Jesus gives us a reason to be thankful year round. And it's not something that comes in a box with wrapping paper and a bow on it. It's better than that. The first reason why Jesus says, why the Bible says, why the way that God created you and me to be thankful, why is this good for us? Is because it forces us to be humble. Giving thanks, telling somebody thank you. Thanksgiving, this is the thing that we celebrated on Thursday, it forces you and me to be humble. Like if we look at the story that Logan read right up here, the people are crying out at the gates of the city, we've got leprosy, we're messed up, will you heal us? That's an absolutely humbling thing to do. There's no way to do that and hold your stuff together. There's a forced humility around Thanksgiving that's good for us because it forces you and me saying thank you to people. It forces us to admit that we can't do it on our own. 
that this life thing can't happen on our own. The people in the story, the men who had leprosy, who were sent away from their families, if they could have healed themselves, they would, but they couldn't, so they're asking Jesus to do it. And then Jesus heals 10. One of them comes back to say thank you. It forces him to be humble. As a Samaritan man, to walk up to a Jewish man, because those two groups did not like each other. They couldn't be in the same houses and still have their religious life correct. Walks up to him and bows down to him. This is absolute humility. Why? Because saying thanks forces us to be humble. I think if if you think about saying thanks in your own life, okay, like those moments, I think there are three different types of thank yous that come right off, like right off the top of my head. First off is the Costco pack, right? You could just get one thank you, but for $9 more, you can get 45 thank yous. It's when you open the gift or the thing happens or the person shows up and you say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, like a million times. That's the Costco thank you, all right? The second thank you is the opposite end of the spectrum. We're calling this one, and you know that you've been here, okay? This one is the frozen face thank you, where whatever happens, and you don't want to let your face know what your heart is feeling, you just don't change your face at all and say thanks, right? Think about the last time you had to say that, or the last time somebody said that to you. It's the frozen face thank you. The third one, the one that gets deepest to our soul, is the deep voice, thank you. That's when you're spent, you're done, there's no way you could have made it. Some of you have gotten this from me numerous times because my skill set is so big and then you step in and you bring something else to the table and I tell you, thank you, thanks. Because what you've done, like that box doesn't exist in my life, but it's your specialty, it's the way that God created us, it's the way that God builds the church. And you get the deep voice, thank you. You get thanks. You can't say that in arrogance. You say the deep voice thank you in humility because it forces us to be humble. Second thing is it forces us into community. Like, this is another one of the rules of thank yous. You can't really say thank you to yourself. Some of you are going to try this week because that's the type of people we are. Is something You're going to do something on Monday and it pays off on Tuesday and you're like, man, thank me. That's just weird. We can be honest. We live in the most isolated period in history, all right? We have Netflixized ourselves so that everything that we consume is exactly the way that we want it. And what saying thank you does, since we can't thank ourselves, is it forces us into community gives us a reason and a route to connect with people. The last reason is it forces us to see more times to be thankful. Like this is a journey for me, okay? When we got married, I didn't say that word very often. And so I got corrected. Like this just happened and you didn't even say thank you. I'm like, I didn't notice. Well, that's the problem. So then you say thank you once and you start to realize, I need to say thank you a whole lot more often. They just did that thing again and it was so great. So I should say thank you again is it begins to grow, our eyes are opened to the opportunities where we can say thank you to people. It forces us to see more times to be thankful for it. We begin to notice it more. That makes it easier to say thank you the next time. It becomes part of our lives. We turn into the one leper who was healed who came back to say thank you. 
That's just for us as humans. But as men and women who follow Jesus, it's completely different because the gospel, the good news about Jesus, gives everyone who believes a reason to be thankful. This is where we bring thanksgiving into church. It's because who God is, what Jesus has done for you and for me, gives us year round, year in, year out, in season, out of season, in good times and bad times, the gospel gives you and me a reason to be thankful. And all of this is pictured in baptism, okay? Baptism, don't put the picture up yet. <clears throat> yep, there we go. Uh, <clears throat> but baptism is, is a sacrament. It's an outward sign of an inward decision. So what happens is you sit in the tank, you lay back being dead to your old sins, and then you lean up out of the baptism tank. You're totally changed. You're risen to new life because of what Jesus has done for us. Baptism is a picture of that. So for everyone who thinks, man, I should get baptized. I'm out of junior high. I'm a follower of Jesus. I've never made the decision on my own life and my own volition to get baptized. It's time. I want to do it. And for all of you who just need a date, I've got an idea, okay? So every once in a while, we try things that work great. And you're like, man, that was awesome. That was really good. Every once in a while, we try things that totally don't. And so we just don't talk about them. But for everyone who's thinking, I, I should do this. I need a date. Let's put up the picture now. All I want for Christmas is baptism, okay? So Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday morning. You're going to have a lot of the family that you love and care about in town. Your friends who you've been telling about Jesus, chances are at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. on Christmas Eve morning, they're free. And so we're going to have a baptism. You'll share on stage about the way that Jesus has changed your life. And then you'll go outside to the well-heated Baptism tank, we're going to take the top off and steam is just going to walk and you're going to think, yes, this was a good idea. Uh, and you're going to get baptized that day. There's a certain segment of those of us who are thinking, yes, I will do it. I just need a reason. So December 24th, we're going to have a baptism. There's one guy who, who got baptized a little while ago. I was like in his ear for years, like, dude, you're, you're, out of junior high, you're a follower of Jesus, it's time to get baptized. No, I don't know. You're out of junior high, you're a follower of Jesus, it's time to get baptized. Like finally, what it was is his sister decided, I'm not waiting until my older brother gets his stuff together. I'm just going to do it. And so two days before his sister got baptized, he calls me. He's like, hey, I think I'm ready. Can I go before her? I'm like, yes, yes, you can. Because some of us, all we need is a date. December 24th, if you're a follower of Jesus, you haven't been baptized, you're out of junior high, Talk to me after service, and we'll get you prepped for baptism. Yes, we have a heater. Yes, it's going to work. So if you're worried about that, we got it taken care of. This is a moment for you to step into obedience in following Jesus. It's a picture of the gospel. And so now we're going to walk this back through the story, that if, if the good news about Jesus gives everyone who believes a reason to be thankful, why are we thankful? Around your seats, there are little cards that talk about the good news of Jesus, about God's plan for salvation. So the terminology is a little bit different, uh, but the verses are all the same. And it starts with the fact that for you and for me, God loves us. Like That's where we start with God. We're sinners separated by our sin from God. But the beginning of your life, where God sees you with as much stuff as you can put between you and him, God looks at you. And he says, that's my son or that's my daughter, and I love them. 
If we run that back through the, through the story of Jesus walking into Samaria and there's the 10 lepers uh, and they're, they're crying out, God, have mercy on us. And the reason why Jesus was there in the first place is because God loves people. There's a verse that we read last week, we talked about last week, that this is how much God loves the world. He gave his one and only son, Jesus, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. God loves the world. Like for Jesus to go to this place to heal these lepers, it's not like he was just on the way and he had to stop. This isn't, this isn't the Los Banos period of history or of the Bible where he just had to go through. He's like, man, I'm here. Fine. Go. Be gone. I got to go. We're here for the gas, just for the bathroom, and then you get back in the car, and you don't stop until you hit the coast. Like Jesus went because there were 10 men who needed to be healed. And before anything happened, God gave them a sign pointing them to the depth of God's love for them, which is the fact that they were healed of their leprosy. Because God loves us. It's the same way for you today. And in a minute, I'm going to give people a chance to say yes to Jesus. That is not so that God loves you. Jesus came because God loves you. Before you and I had done anything good, while we were still his enemies, God sent Jesus because he loves us. Within that love, there's, there's the reality that sin separates you and me from God. Our primary separation, because sin ruins everything, our primary level of separation between us and around our sin, the separation that happens as a result of your sin and mine, uh, is from God. All sin is ultimately against God. And God in his holiness can't be in the presence of sin. Like, that's the reason why Jesus loves people. It's because Jesus is God with skin on and God loves the world. And behind that love is God's holiness, which doesn't hate sinners. It loves sinners. But in God's holiness, he can't be in the presence of sin. He's incompatible with sin. A bunch of years ago when I was still in high school, uh, you know, when you're around that age, you have like a million part-time jobs and just little things to, to piece time together. Uh, I worked at my biology teacher's Christmas tree farm. So every year he would grow Christmas trees and then he would hire high schoolers to cut them down and stick them on top of people's cars. And so one year that was my job. And I found out after day number one that working all day at the Christmas tree farm makes my arms look like I have Skittles under my skin. Because I'm not compatible with Christmas trees. There's something in my skin that says, nope, we're going artificial, bro. Like, that's your reality, the one that lives in the box from November to January. You have box Christmas tree because your skin doesn't work with real Christmas tree. But the money was really good. So I just wore gloves and, like, taped up my arms uh, and, and made Skittle-free money that year. It's the same way with God and sin is God cannot be in the presence of sin. And so there's this separation that occurs between God and sinners that we can't be in God's presence because of our sin. And the way that we see this, like the sign that we see this in your life and mine, is that when sin entered the world through our first parents, Adam and Eve, sin held the door for every other type of brokenness and separation and abuse and neglect and pain and trauma and regret and addiction to enter the world. We look at our own lives in the way that sin has broken things and messed everything up. 
And it's because we're saying yes to the devil in areas of our lives that opens the door that we can't slam closed fast enough. And just as sin entered the world, held the door for everything, and it splinters into a thousand different directions that affects everything in our lives, God came to restore that. God came to rescue us. And that's the third point, is Jesus rescues you. God loves us. Sin separates us from God. Jesus rescues you. And it's the reason why Jesus' followers have had since the very beginning to be thankful to God for what he's done in your life and in mine for those of us who are Christians, for those of us who follow Jesus. As we're saying yes to being rescued from the punishment of our sin, to being remade by Jesus' work in us and through us, to make us from the people that he found us as and making us into men and women who look and act and think and talk and live like Jesus. He rescues us from the wrath of God, by the love of God, by the Son of God, for the glory of God. We are rescued from our sin. We talked about it last week, if you were here. That one of the guys who walked around with Jesus and saw the way that Jesus did all these things out of love because sin ruins everything. He said, man, if we confess our sin, which ruins us and separates us from God, if we confess that to God, God is faithful and just, which means he never fails and he never messes up to forgive us for our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. In Thanksgiving terms, Jesus cleans our plate. He rescues you and me from the pain and the consequences and the difficulty of our sin. Jesus rescues us. I mean, back in the story, Jesus makes the first move. I love it. The guy, the guy say to Jesus, heal us. And he says, okay, go share yourself to the priest. Start walking. And as they start walking, they realize something's different. I can feel again. The sores are gone. My one-way sentence out of society is gone because Jesus rescued me. Jesus healed me. Jesus made the first move before the people had done anything, before anyone came back to say thanks. Jesus did the work. For us, this is why Christians love crosses, because the cross is where Jesus did the work for you and me. It's where Jesus cleaned our plate. It's where Jesus came into the world to pay the penalty for our sin before our holy God, as Jesus took on the sin of the whole world so that the whole world, everyone who believes in him, can take on the righteousness and the right standing and the sinlessness of Jesus. Jesus rescues us. And we get to decide whether or not to come to Jesus. You decide whether or not to come to Jesus. You're loved by God. There's sin in my life. There's sin in your life. And that's why Jesus came to rescue us. And we decide how to respond. For Christians, that means that our first act of response is praying to God and saying, God, will you forgive me of my sins? Will you come into my life and be the Lord, the boss, and the leader of my life? Will you do that? And every time we do that, what? God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So we ask it, and he's there. We decide whether or not to come to Jesus. Last week, two people did that. And so they stepped from death to life. They stepped from separated to family with God because they decided to come to Jesus Tuesday, when we were here during sports camp and, and Eden was on stage telling the kids about Jesus, uh, Anna was meeting with a young lady whose family goes here. And she's only been here a couple times. And they started talking about Jesus and Anna led the lady to Jesus into a relationship with Jesus. It was her moment to decide to come to Jesus and it can be yours today. 
If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, this is the reason we have to make Thanksgiving a lifestyle, not just a turkey day. Why? Because God loves you and me. That we are separated from God because of our sin, but Jesus rescues us from our sin. And we can decide today to say yes to Jesus. We can live out our gratitude to God because he came for you and he came for me. Let's stand and pray.